The tide has turned. B2B buyers and sellers' interactions have changed. Welcome to The Markitect, a new podcast series for B2B product marketing executives. I'm Lindsay Chupkema, CEO and co-founder at Casted, the first amplified marketing platform for B2B marketers and a proud partner of the product marketing community. We are very excited to be bringing you this special series that focuses on amplifying the expert perspectives, insights, and opinions of this brilliant community. Each episode will feature in-depth advice from executives who will tell you how they built impactful teams, optimized go-to-market efforts, and enabled customer-facing teams. The Markitect is an easily digestible way to learn from your peers as you aspire to be an architect for growth. Welcome and enjoy this episode. Welcome to The Markitect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing meet. The Markitect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, my guest co-host is Michael Longgren, a longtime friend of mine uh, who happens to also serve as the chief marketing officer for Sivemic. We're thrilled to chat with someone widely regarded as a transformational marketing leader today uh, in both Michael and our guest. But first, Michael, please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. So Michael Longren, CMO at Seismic, and it's really great to be here with you today. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. And now it's my pleasure to introduce you to Carol Carpenter, Chief Marketing Officer of VMware. Hello, Carol. Hey, Rowan. Hi, Michael. It's great to be here as well. I am, as you mentioned, I've been uh, in the hot seat here at VMware for a year. And prior to that, I was leading product marketing at Google Cloud. And in fact, that's where Michael and I met each other and had the pleasure of working together. So I'm super excited to be here with both of you. Fantastic. Thank you, Carol. And the reason I love having both of these folks on the episode today is because secretly they've told me that product marketing is their favorite function within the organization. (laughs) Um, And as such, today we're going to talk about the intersection of leadership and product marketing. But before we begin, uh, indulge me if you don't mind by completing this sentence. Carol, you go first and then Michael. I am in marketing because of an accidental interview with Apple at Harvard Business School. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. Thanks, Carol. Michael, I'm in marketing because? You know, I, so I'm in marketing because I'm just, I'm really passionate about, um, you know, the sort of the intersection between uh, product sales and customer success and developing, you know, core value proposition, selling it through the sales organization, and then bringing out the voice of the customer through, you know, customer success stories. And so I've um, been passionate about that intersection throughout my career and, and um, you know, love working in that arena. Love it. One more complete the sentence. Carol, my definition of leadership is? Courage. Courage to make the hard decisions. Courage to speak up when no one else is speaking up. Courage to step out of your comfort zone and potentially test new messages that aren't what people would expect. Courage to to try new things. And I I think a lot of leadership, um, you know, there's a saying that adversity 
doesn't build character, it reveals character. And it's in those adverse times when when leadership is truly required. I love it. And especially, especially during these times and as we come out of this pandemic and there's a certain next normal, there's a lot of courage required uh, of our leadership today. So thank you for that, Carol. And Michael, my definition of leadership is... You know, my definition is really around rallying a team to achieve, you know, objectives. And I think the objective, objective can be, you know, small or big. But um, you know, one observation I've had over the course of my career is that um, leadership can be exhibited at all levels. And so from an individual contributor up to, you know, C-level executive. And so it's been really amazing to see, you know, emerging I see take on cross-functional projects and lead them within organizations. And so but it's really about rallying a team to achieve an, a, achieve an, an objective. Love it. Absolutely love it. So thank you for that. And now let's get into the topic of transformational yeah. marketing leadership. Michael, go ahead. So Carol, you're widely regarded as a transformational marketing leader. So we'd love to hear from you, you know, one or two stories of where you've driven business transformation or business impacting transformation in your role, either as a VP of product marketing or as CMO. I wonder who is not a transformational leader these days. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that question. You know, I um, I mean, one of the things I, I, I know you love this as well about the tech industry is that there's always change. You don't like something, market changes, customer needs change, the product suite and offering changes. So um, that's one of those constants that also I think makes our our craft truly challenging and more fun. Um, So when you ask like about marketing business transformation, I love that you put marketing and business together because so often you know, what we're trying to do is move the business forward. So I'll give you two quick examples. Um, Is here at VMware, we are going through a transformation from license to SaaS as a business model and as a delivery mechanism. But it has such far-reaching implications, as you know. It's about how do you serve both customers, buyers, and users? How do you drive the usage and consumption and expansion, and how do you drive a full life cycle customer experience? And so that's something we've been working really hard on. Um, Our business is about 23% SaaS right now, and it's growing pretty quite fast. And it's really exciting to to kind of make that, that transformation happen, not just, you know, in terms of how customers buy, but the experience from end to end. And then something you and I worked together on at Google Cloud is really, you know, shifting from these products or hexagons, as we call them, into solution selling and value selling. So um, really, uh, you know, a a lot, it's so much easier to say than to do, right? Because solution selling requires to to put the customer first. And so it's not just, oh, here's some great messaging, here's the value. It's how do you lead with the customer? And... Um, I've seen it, it's it's transformational when it happens for sure. Brilliant. And uh, Carol, you touched on Michael. I want I want your take on this as well. But Carol, you touched on licensing to SaaS and then shift from product selling to solution selling. That requires the right culture, the right 
fortitude to want to change and, and adapt to the times. As the CMO and the owner of the brand, if you will, or the, at least the guardian of the brand, are you going to be the individual or are, are you are people looking to you as the individual to help shape that culture so that this transformational effect can actually take shape? Yeah, and, and exactly. And culture is really a reflection of the behaviors of the team members. And it's those behaviors. So how do you change that behavior? And it's like, it's like anything, you know, in marketing, there's people buy goods, ideas, and services for three fundamental reasons, right? Economic, functional, and emotional. And so to create that behavioral change, you know, we, you can list all the functional reasons like, oh, here are all the reasons we're doing it and why it's good for the business and good for blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The economic reasons are to show people how this is a path to faster growth, how this is a path to greater uh, business outcomes. And then the last part, which I think is what you were alluding to, is the emotional buy-in. And getting emotional buy-in is hard. Because, you know, it's that same rule, you know, out of 100 people, 33% are going to be skeptical, 33% are going to jump on your bandwagon, and then 33% are going to sit there on the fence waiting and watching. And how do you draw them in? How do you make them advocates, not just fence sitters? And that's what I've been working on in my one year here. And um, I know both of you realize it is hard, hard work because, and you have to think about, I've told my team there's the, again, there's the laundry list of things you do, which is re-articulate re the mission, be really clear about the customer value proposition, be really clear about the behaviors needed. And then you have to do what I call a little bit of, you know, the symbolic aspirational things, like telling people there is, we're going to burn the boats. There is no way back. And doing things symbolically, like doubling down incentives for certain behaviors. Other things like, you know, doing something really radical with your customers. Um, we're, 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 we're kind of pulling all those levers right now. Fantastic. And, uh, and Michael, in your experience, whether it's Seismic or prior, uh, you have a fantastic uh, career thus far, DocuSign, Adobe, so on and so forth. Can you give us an example or two of marketing-driven or at least marketing-centric business transformation that you've led? Yeah, you know, an example that pops to mind for me was um, when it's actually a doctor sign. And um, one of the things that I observed early on, I was employee 180. And so early on, um, recognized that when we go into um, sales situations, we pull together a proposal and make it to the customer. And, you know, it could be, you know, a million dollars per year, uh, as an example. And what we weren't doing was contextualizing what that pricing, you know, putting that price in context and we weren't providing a business case. And so what we learned is um, context is everything. And so working with the customer and doing and basically what we did with the marketing is we piloted what we call value-based selling. And so we started to work with the customer to actually quantify the potential value impact of DocuSign for that customer. And then within context, um, you know, a million dollars might be a great deal or it might be a lot, but what it ended up allowing us to do in terms of transforming the way in which we sold was to um, engage with the customer in a much more relevant way, align to their strategic initiatives, contextualize the value, and then um, come up with an appropriate price. And that allowed us to monetize things a lot more effectively. And we carried that 
I've carried that value-based selling approach into other roles. Um, we took it into Google, worked there with T-Suite, taken it into Seismic. At Seismic, the way we're thinking about value is not only in terms of a value selling perspective, but also how we market, how we ensure our customer success team helps ensure our customers achieve value, and it also informs the roadmap. And so it's a holistic way of like thinking about value. And so, you know, Carol was talking about, you know, three drivers of decision-making for buyers, um, one of which is the economic. Well, the economic and the business case is really important, along with the, the, the capabilities and the, um, and the emotional component. But uh, that, is, that was business impacting at DocuSign, and I found business impacting in general. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and I... I'll, I'll turn it to you. I don't know if you have another question for, for Carol. I do. You know, Carol, did you have a, um, an approach or playbook that you've brought to your you know, new teams um, that you've used to you know, drive or help transform the, the, the overall approach that you're taking to marketing? Yeah, you know, the, the one thing, Michael, and, and we worked on it together as well, is I think the very first thing, and this is what I've, spent time here at VMware as well doing is to figure out what is your core. Mm-hmm. And, and this is like so essential. And this is why I do think product marketing is so critical. And when I say, what is your core? Like, what is it that you, you can call it a positioning statement. You can call it a lot of things, but it's what you do so well that no one else does. And understanding that. And in companies that you and I have been in that are larger and working at scale, it becomes so diluted and everyone has kind of forgotten, like, what is it that makes Google Cloud fundamentally different? What is it that makes VMware special? And um, we have a really broad and deep portfolio and everybody wants to tell a different story. And so starting with like what it is we do, hurting the cats to get everyone to understand, no, you know what we do really well? We help our customers move to the future while preserving their past. We help them reap the reward without reaping the risk. And we're in that fundamental like bridge company. And that's what VMware does. And like, but it, which sounds so obvious once you, and when you get there, everybody's like, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. But getting there and getting people to say, okay, our core at like Google Cloud, for example, was really this idea of the, our data and insights and what we could do with it. And once you understand that, then everything else about, you know, the databases and the, you know, the, the compute network and storage all can tie back to that proposition. So I feel like that's the number one thing is what is the core? And then, you know, you, you, you know, you and I've worked on this a lot, which is who are we trying to serve? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like customer segmentation is done so poorly. So mm-hmm. often we want to put it out there and say, oh yeah, we're going after the SMB. Well, the fact of the matter is we're not really going after everyone in SMB. We're going after, and you want to win these smaller markets and that's how you win the bigger market. So I think customer segmentation is core. And then the last thing, which I know you share the love of metrics and outcomes, like measuring what matters and driving behavior around those outcomes. And, And just to go back to customer segmentation, uh, Carol, in your opinion, who is accountable or is responsible for customer segmentation at an organization? Oh, for sure. Product marketing. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the is same page there. Yeah. 
Was that a trick question? Well, it, it, was, it was a softball. It was a softball. Yeah, I, I thank just wanted you. everyone. I wanted everyone to hear that, but uh, uh, it, it very much is. And then Michael, you know, in the same vein, when you got to Seismic, did you bring a playbook with you as it related to um, either figuring out how you wanted to pivot, transform the existing marketing organization to align to the business objectives of Seismic and, and the reason you were hired to drive growth? You know, um, I did introduce a framework which has, um, you know, really endured uh, the first, you know, several quarters that I've been here. And, um, you know, at the center of the framework, it's basically a wheel, but at the center is the customer, right? It's all about the customer and really, you know, engaging with customers effectively throughout their buyer's journey. Um, And then around the customer um, had a handful of things. So this notion of uh, one team, so really operating as one team within marketing, but also with sales, with customer success, with product, um, incredibly important. The second thing is uh, defining and driving go-to-market strategy. Marketing is critical in terms of like framing that up with the sales organization. Third is around delivery messaging, because that really emanates from marketing itself. Uh, fourth is scalable approaches. And so marketing is a one-to-many organization in many respects. And so... Um, you're driving like a really compelling web presence is one way of, of driving um, uh, scale. Uh, in addition to that, orchestrating through integrated campaigns, marketing activities, instrumenting the business, uh, and then operating at speed. So those kind of like seven elements around the wheel focused on the customer is the overall approach that we've been taking to marketing holistically. And then within that context, we've had like, five, you know, strategic objectives that we've been executing against. So it's been able to, you know, it's been able to drive a common understanding of like the overall approach and it's been working really well. Fantastic. I'm going to have to steal your wheel, Michael. I will send it over to you. Um, I want to somewhat switch gears and, and talk about change management. And, you know, the tide has turned the way buyers and sellers are interacting is is, is changed. And so in, 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 in that light, Carol, as a CMO, you're responsible for driving the significant, significant transformation at, at VMware. How do you, in the marketing seat and at the leadership table, go about driving change management? You know, the biggest thing, it sounds so obvious, but you have to paint a vision of the future. And it has to be clear achievable. You know, what I've seen is everyone's willing to get in the boat and row and, and you know, until their blisters bleed. Only if they know there's an island with the caviar and champagne that's over there. And so painting that picture of what is on that island and what it looks like and what success looks like. And I, I make the mistake of this is sometimes I'm so interested in like, let's get on executing that Yep. We're focused on all these short-term things. And so I I always, I like to close my, I tell the CEO, I tell, like, close your eyes. It's two or three years from now. Describe what you see. Which kind of customers are we serving? What are we doing? How does your work tie to that? So then paint the vision. How does the work being done at the local level attach? And then frankly, this is, I, I you know, I just say communication and grace. Communicate, 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 keep communicating. Um, you know, the, the old adage, people need to hear things 12 times. I think that's absolutely true internally and externally. And, and grace, just have a little grace and 
ask your team for grace, ask them to give each other grace as things are changing and roles and responsibilities are ambiguous. They have to, they have to exhibit grace. Love it. And so paint a vision of the future, over-communicate. Uh, I'm going to say a word here, and I welcome your thoughts on it. From an interlock perspective, interlocking upstream with the product folks, downstream with the go-to-market team, sales, customer success, so on and so forth. Uh, how do you approach that during this change management? Because without them, if marketing is a, an island unto itself, uh, nothing will work. And so how do you ensure that that interlock is, is there um, and that you're all marching to the same, same beat? Well, it's the same. I mean, a lot of the same tenants. Um, but I agree 100. percent I've tried to do something different here, that, um, which is like, because we are a very large company, is to go out proactively with my roadshow. And I don't mean it like a roadshow, like you know, bells and whistles and powerpoints or slides, but really just trying to keep it really simple and just keep repeating it, but go proactively plant the seeds. And so like, for example, I tell my team the vision of where we want to go to is integrated marketing at scale and speed. Integrated marketing, like a lot of large companies, a lot of shadow marketing, a lot of activities happening in different places. Integrated marketing, like how do we show up to the customer as one company? And the scale and speed is everything that Michael was just talking about, which is, you know, the, the systems and the processes and yeah. the, a lot of that interlocking. But I actually, I have, a, <laughs> I have lots of meetings with my stakeholders to just get ahead of what's coming every quarter. Lovely. Um, Michael, Seismic just hit 200 million ARR. The evolution, the expedited evolution of, of, of is, is really, quite frankly, it involves change management as well. And so how are you, when you first arrived, how are you driving change management within marketing and for the business as a whole? Yeah, so it's a $200 million revenue run rate. And yes, it's a, it's a fantastic milestone. But the, um, you know, in terms of driving change management, you know, to Carol's point, it is incredibly important to set a vision and to drive alignment around that vision. Um, and I also agree with the communicate, 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 you know, we cannot over communicate, um, overall, you know, the vision. The other thing I would add to Carol's comments though, um, and something that we're both very familiar with are OKRs. And so, you know, at Seismic, um, as a cross-functional leadership team, we agree on a quarterly basis on objectives and key results. And um, that helps drive strategic alignment. And then Rowan, on top of that, we actually engage uh, the you know, top leaders within the company on a monthly basis to make sure that we're collectively staying aligned. And we'll do you know, spotlights and go into deep, you know, in a little bit more depth into certain topics to bring even greater visibility to key areas. But it's a combination of having that vision um, the alignment with teams strategically, and then the operational processes around OKRs that are, are have been really helpful to us as we've you know scaled the business. Brilliant. Um, we've we've talked about change management because we're coming out of a pandemic. There's a certain new normal, if you will, and there's a lot of challenges that uh, we're being faced. And so, Carol, this is for you, and Michael, I welcome your thoughts as well. 
How are you navigating the challenges of the CMO role uh, during this very constantly evolving time? Yeah, you know, there are a few things going on. One, like you said, we're coming out of the pandemic. I don't know if you've experienced or been hearing about this. Have you heard like the great resignation that 90% of everyone is of employer, employers, employees are actually considering making a change, which 90%, like that would mean all of us would pretty much be doing something else next year. Um, it's pretty astounding. I do think there is a shortage of talent, particularly in tech. And I do think there's a lot of opportunity for everyone. So one of the things, you know, when you talk about like, navigating the challenges, I think there's the, um, how do you keep your team focused when there's a lot of anxiety about coming back and, and making sure everyone knows they have flexibility and choice, like reiterating that you have flexibility and choice. That's the internal part. For our customers, um, I've actually been astounded. I don't know about you, Michael, like our customers all want to meet in person already. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm the Luddite here. Um, we have a, a very large uh, community event called VMworld annually and historically, you know, 30,000 plus people. And last year online, 200,000 people. I mean, it's just bananas how big these things have gotten. And we've had, you know, really vigorous debate. Like, should we be holding it in person or should we, you know, do some kind of hybrid or stay virtual? Anyway, like, I think one of the things is to be very respectful that not everyone feels the same way like you do. And so I've been trying to listen a lot. Whereas like we have customers who want to come to our campus, our, our executive briefing center, like yesterday. And on the surface, there's all this pressure and people on my team are like, yes, of course. But then I find out like most of them, it's still summertime. People who have children are like, no, I don't have any childcare yet. School hasn't started. So there's, but they're not saying anything. And so really trying to listen and make sure that your team is heard and that you are articulating both from the customer perspective and internally. So I'm, it's a little more internal, but, um, you know, and even the customers who say they want to travel, making sure they really are comfortable. So I think there's that. And then the other piece is, you know, shared experiences are how we bond and how we create community. And so I'm I'm not letting up on shared experiences with my team. Brilliant. Um, this one's for both of you. If if you had a rally cry for your marketing teams right now, as we come out of this pandemic, and we're embracing this new normal of how buyers and sellers interact, uh, what would it be? What's your rally cry for each of your team, Michael? Why don't we start with you? You know, the rally cry is really to uh, engage with buyers where they are and work to provide a really compelling experience throughout the overall uh, buyer's journey. Um, you know, to Carol's point, um, it's interesting because, you know, customers and, and prospects uh, want to meet in person in some cases nowadays or, you know, uh, just engage uh, via Zoom. But it's it's really around understanding what the buyer wants to do and then trying to meet with them, meet them at, you know, via website, via events, via virtual events in person, via social, um, but engage with them in a, in a compelling, um, thoughtful, meaningful manner, uh, wherever, wherever they are on the buyer's journey. 
and just and just recognize that that virus journey has has really changed with the pandemic. I mean, so Absolutely. much of the world virtual today, and, and I think as as a marketing team too, um, what's been critical for all of us is to learn how to adapt really quickly. And for example, we you know we went completely virtual with events. We started our team and started to spin up in person events again in APAC. Um, but we're now dialing back because of, you know, um, the changing landscape there. And so I think you know, flexibility is the name of the game. And then also, again, just you know, very focused on customers meeting them where they, they, they want to meet. Brilliant. And, and McKinsey, just to your point, McKinsey just published a study whereby B2B buyers are welcoming. They want omni-channel and they want yes. more self-service more so than interacting live with uh, reps. So this new remote selling environment, yes. uh, self-service of, uh, of information about your market, about your, your product, uh, it, it's something that we actually have to, to provide because that's, what they, that, that's their terms now, if you will. And so, Carol, your rally cry for the VMware marketing team. We have to eat data for breakfast. Wow. And what I mean by that is, you know, this has been a, a, a traditional, uh, a, this has been the perfect marketing organization in the past for a, a licensed top-down enterprise sale. Moving towards uh, the, the SaaS model yeah. is so much more about all the things you said, self-service, you know, using data to, to make the right offers at the right time, land and expand. And so we are, we're, we're getting good at it, you know, eating our data for breakfast and taking, we have so much, this is the other problem. A lot of large companies have this, I mean, small companies too, too much data. Yeah. So really identify like, what questions are you trying to answer? What are you going to do with it before you start collecting it? Because the next thing you know, you have a humongous data warehouse, which makes all the data warehouse providers super happy, but you really are not doing much of anything with it, which it becomes unwieldy and expensive. And anyway, we, we're, we're on that journey. How do we harness our data, turn it into insights, and then obviously give customers a better experience? Fantastic. Thank you. Two questions more. And this one came from Michael. So thank you for, for this. I'll, I'll ask it. CMOs typically have, you know, they, they come from one of three backgrounds, uh, demand gen, brand, and now more importantly, product marketing. So what makes product marketing a particularly good background for becoming a CMO? And what advice uh, would you have for aspiring CMOs who are currently in the product marketing seat? Your product marketing gives... Um it's a terrific background for becoming CMO because um, there's the overall, you know, strategy element of product marketing, segmentation, uh, overall messaging, positioning, you know, content creation, um, and, you know, the overall working with product to bring, you know, new offerings to, to market. And so that holistic, almost GM perspective is a fantastic background, particularly in today's world where the CMO is playing an increasingly important role with the CRO and driving revenue for the business, right? So that's a great background. In terms of, um, you know, recommendations to someone that becomes a CMO that has that background, um, it's, it is important to pick up, you know, demand gen experience and to also um, have brand experience. Um, but on the demand gen front, 
can do that through either personal experiences or bring in really um, you know strong demand gen leader to help you know kind of round out um, the needed you know skill set uh, you know within you know within the CMO's team. Brilliant. And Carol, what makes product marketers a particularly good candidate for becoming a CMO? Well, I've never understood how you could be a great marketer if you didn't understand the products and the customer use cases. So I, I think it's just essential. And it comes back to a lot of what we talked about earlier, which is understanding to be a great, I think, to be a really strong CMO, you have to understand what is your core. And then everything builds from that, you know, your routes to market, your, your channels, your messaging. And so I just come back to that, the good product marketers are good at that. They understand like, what is the value to the customer? What is it we do that's unique, valued, and differentiated? Brilliant. And my, uh, my advice, just really quickly, is um, I, I think go do some time in sales. I think every product nice. marketer, anybody wow. in marketing should do a stint in sales where you are on the front lines and you get to know your customers really well. Love it. So no creating things in ivory towers, throwing it over to sales and hoping it sticks. If you've walked a mile in their shoes, then then you would know. I love that. I absolutely love that. Indulge me one last time. I have three kids, uh, 13, eight, and two and a half. So fill in the blanks with their homework is just top of mind for me. So fill in the blank here. Product marketers can be architects of growth for their company if they, Carol? Build elevators. Hmm. Marketers run up and down the stairs faster and better than any other function. And what I told the CEO at the time, Pat Gelsinger, coming in here is, hey, if you just want another CMO and a marketing team that's running up and down the stairs all the time, that's fine. Go hire someone else. If you want someone to come in here and build elevators to get to the hundredth floor faster, wow. I'm your person. Like it is about scale and speed. And uh, to all the marketers out there who do run up and down the stairs really fast, and I've certainly um, kudos to us. But you know, the only way we can be more strategic and more impactful is to build elevators. Love it, Michael. You know, tied to that, I would just say, you know, scalable approaches, you know, really need to be thinking about how to scale uh, overall go-to-market strategies and approaches um, to accelerate growth of the business. And so that often can involve like developing, you know, to Carol's point around really understanding your core, developing a core narrative that can be adapted as appropriate um, by industry, by segment, by geo. Um, but, you know, Product marketing drive a massive impact in an organization through the introduction of scalable approaches. Brilliant. You've both been very generous with your time um, with me for the, over the years. And, and from you both, I learn, uh, I aspire to be this architect of growth. God knows you both already are. And as such, you're referred to as architects. So to the stunning architects over here, thank you so much for your time. And uh, all the best to your teams uh, during this challenging and changing times. And good luck in the second half of the year. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to visit productmarketingcommunity.co to subscribe and get more information on how you too can become a architect at your organization.